Well, good morning. We're going to do a little. We're going to do a little something different this morning. I, it's going to be sort of a hybrid message this morning. All right. So as we're sort of wrapping up, we have one more week left in the series. Uh, was Jesus really serious? Has anybody come to the conclusion yet? Was Jesus really serious? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think he was. Some of the things he says in Matthew chapter five uh, seems to be pretty serious and I know that uh, I, I've been able to preach uh, three uh, no four of the messages in this series in various places it's probably the most uh, most I've preached in a series in a long time I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate you giving me an easier one um, Sebring I got to preach on lust and then in Ocala I got to preach on divorce so this is pretty easy this morning you know an eye for an eye tooth for a tooth message so we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse uh, 38 through 42. That's going to be our focus, but um, we're going to be reading most of Matthew chapter 5 to get a little bit of a context, get a little bit of a reminder. I know that uh, someone preached an awesome message last week that wasn't Matthew chapter 5. I, I'm giving you props, man. I mean, I heard you did okay. Middle of the road, but you know, it's all right. But uh, So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start our reading uh, in verse 1. So as we're going to go along, I'm going, to, I'm going to say a few things about or concerning the passage and sort of leading up to the breakdown of it. And then we're going to have a little bit of, hopefully a little bit of a dialogue, not too much, but just a little bit of a dialogue to make this, uh, this passage in verses 38 through 42 uh, applicable to our lives, hopefully. All right, so Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 1. And I'm excited for those of you that's going to get to go to Israel because we're going to go to the spot, right, where this, you know, seeing the crowds, you went up on the mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee. So be praying for the, one of the ones that are here that are going to Israel. I know Karen Warren and, and uh, Patricia are going. So be yeah, pretty excited. As I'm preparing for this, I'm like, I'm super excited that you guys will be able to go there uh, and see this in person. So anyways, chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them saying, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy." Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, 
and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, or for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. 
Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So do you, as we read the, like almost the whole thing, we've got one more section, but do you notice a, a change in tone throughout? I mean, it goes from the, the blessed R's, right? It seems to be pretty even keel. There's not a whole lot of, you know, hard, hardness there, right? It's easy. It's easy. Uh, it's an easy listening station of Jesus on that one, right? And then he goes, you are the salt and, and you are the light. And then he says this statement, I didn't come to a, uh, to abolish the law, but to what? Fulfill it, right? To set it in order. And then he starts the, you have heard that it was said. All right, so this gets into a little bit of heaviness. All right, he's going, here's the line, but no, I'm, I'm going to tell you that's not the line at all. So Jesus starts out with the, the sin bar don't just begin at the point of murder, right? We learned this a few weeks back. Uh, it's, it's as easy as calling your brother or sister uh, a fool. That's the line. Anybody cross that lately? I mean, I got, I got two brothers, okay? I grew up calling them fools, right? So I was like guilty of murder from like the age three, you know? So then the, he also says that the threshold of falling into sin doesn't start at the point of, 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 uh, of sexual contact with someone who isn't your spouse. It's as simply as looking upon someone with that, those, those two little words, lustful intent. And sin starts here and here before it ever gets executed here, right? In physical ways. He also says don't be flippant about uh, marriage relationships. He also says if you're a reflection of God, your word should be bond enough. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to swear on anything or, or take an oath on anything. I swear on my mama's grave. That kind of thing, right? Your word should be your bonds. Your yes is yes, and your no is no, and people shouldn't have to scratch their heads and figure out, is he being honest here? Is she being fully truthful here? And so these were all instigated, all those things, how he starts off, they were instigated by our own personal choices. But then I, I notice a shift here. We'll reread the passage for this morning. He says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him your other also. And if anyone would sue you, take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. But Jesus moved to the perspective that, that when someone else is the instigator of sin against you, we still need to abide by those two principles that I have had throughout. I don't know if all the pastors have had these throughout, uh, but I think that it is a common principle throughout all of these. You have heard it said. Our character counts more than our contributions, and Jesus has always been the solution to our problems. Thank him greatly. The you have heard that it was said statement, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth was based on two different passages way back in civil code law in Exodus 21 
uh, and also in Deuteronomy, the second law, Deuteronomy 19, which, which were both in response to violent crimes against someone. It's in reference to the law of scales, right? has to balance out. The, the, the punishment should fit the crime, right? If someone steals a, a loaf of bread from the store, you, you can't cut the guy's hand off. And I know that was probably appropriate in some cultures, but according to, to, God, to God's law, it has to balance out. You can't cut a guy's hand off for stealing a loaf of bread. And if someone you know, rear-ended somebody's chariot, you, know, you can't put the guy on death row because of it. Right? You hit his chariot back. Right? But you make sense, like, the punishment has to fit the crime. And I, you know, I, I want to be clear here that you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth statement was in reference to something that was, was criminal. Okay? It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't just because of someone, you know, offended someone else. But, the, you know, Jesus gave this law so. Uh, the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, it was, it was fitting for a violent crime. Like Jesus was the one that gave it, so it was fair. The problem was that, that, that Jesus needed to address this issue is that some were trying to take that same law of scales principle and apply it to interactions that weren't criminal. So, some examples. Someone does something that was a slap in the face. Right? So, you know, back in ancient times, if... If, if you got to, if you got clobbered, you know, if you, got, if you offended somebody, if you hit them with your front hand, it wasn't that big of a deal. But if you hit them with the back of your hand, that was really offensive. So he says, whether it's a slap in the face, figurative or or even literal, what's our, what's our normal response? If someone slaps you in the face, what do you want to do? Slap them back, right? Or at least kick them. Wheelocks don't fight fair. So if you slap me in the face, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for the shin. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna go down. All right. It's just our normal response. All right. Um, so if you're staring down a litigation issue, someone's trying to sue you. What's, what's the normal response that the world has? Well, you fight. You fight to the death. Right. You know, I'm right. You're wrong. Now let's, let's, let's get to this thing because you're not gonna take from me. Uh, the other one is, you know. Are we expected to give up our liberties or, or to be inconvenienced? Anybody like to be inconvenienced? Every, every day, right? <laughs> so anytime I'm faced with this you know, expectation that I'm supposed to be inconvenienced because of your problems, right? Um, I'm not going to say it. Gonna, yeah. it's, it's one of those sayings that you shouldn't say, but you know, your, your poor planning, uh, never mind. All right. So what do we what do we typically respond with that right? It's like I'm going to do the least expected, and anybody that has kids in the room, it's usually faced with an attitude. All the adults in the room, we know it's faced with an attitude. I have an attitude a lot of the times when I'm being inconvenienced because of someone else's problem, right? Come on, confession time. Everybody's guilty of it because you didn't plan well. Now it's my problem. Now I'm. I got an attitude problem. I'm the first in the line for that one. Someone expresses need for financial assistance. You're sitting at the gas pump, trying to pump gas in peace, and someone says, "Hey, can I get a dollar?" What do you? What's what's the thought? Maybe you should have made better financial choices. Now you're in this predicament, right? Someone asked to borrow money. 
Family. Anybody been asked by family uh, to borrow some money? And you think to yourself, self, they should have made better financial choices. Maybe the wife shouldn't spend so much money on fill in the blank. I know she spends too much money on Amazon. If she wouldn't spend so much money on Amazon, they'd have more money. They wouldn't need to ask me for money. Right? This is our typical, like, this is how we like oftentimes um, interact with those kind of things. So, what's the key principle? Our character counts more than our contributions, and that Jesus has always been the solution to our problem. So, this the, here's here's where the uh, hybrid sermon comes from. All right. So, we're going to go through these uh, one by one, and uh, maybe have a little bit of a dialogue. I, I've got some questions I want to ask. Keep the keep the questions short or the answer short. But that first one, the uh, the slap. In the face. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, start each one of these by by reading a passage out of Colossians chapter three. All right. So when it comes to a slap in the face, Colossians chapter three, verse one says this: If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Listen, put to death therefore what is earthly in you, our desire for retaliation. You hear me? Put to death therefore what is earthly in you, our desire for retaliation. So our takeaway from this from this. Um, thing that Jesus said was as believers, our desire should be to surrender our right to retaliation. We shouldn't have, that shouldn't be our first instinct as believers. Someone offends me, so I hit back. Right? Here's a question. What do we stand to lose if retaliation is our response to being offended by someone? What do we stand to lose? What else? Our, our job, our mission here is to what? Invite our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. And if your first response is retaliation for everybody that wrongs you, how loud do you think your voice will be in that relationship? They're not listening. Right? You're sitting at the restaurant. You're offended because the cook got your, your order wrong. You ordered medium rare. It came medium well. Anybody been in that situation? Or seen someone in that situation? I've sat with someone. I've sat with someone in my life who was gospel front. Invited him to church. The order came out wrong. And then he was a jerk about it. And guess what? Everything you said about the gospel, everything you said about the church, everything you said about Jesus was a moot point. They weren't listening anymore. Because you're a jerk. Right? What are the relational possibilities if our response is love, grace, and mercy? What are the relational possibilities? Say it again. That's, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Humbleness, that's great. Yeah. 
good stuff? That should be like that should be the natural response. What do you say? Being nice. Yeah. Sometimes that's hard to do. <laughs> All right. Here's the second one. The 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 uh, the point of litigation. Right. Somebody's going to try to sue somebody. All right. If then you have been raised with raised with Christ. And here's that if then statement. Right. So when when Paul writes to the church at Colossae in chapter three, he says, "If then you have been raised." If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Here it is. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, our love of the stuff we've obtained. I like my stuff. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, our love of the stuff we've obtained. We worked hard for it. But, Jesus says, as believers, the stuff given to us by Him should be held with what? It's one of our... Well, you didn't put them back up yet. It's one of our values. Holding God's gifts with what? Open hand. Right? It's not mine in the first place. Question, when it... When it comes to fighting to keep the stuff God has given us, what are we portraying to others? When we're fighting for the stuff we have, what are we portraying to others? Greed? Stuff's more important than people? Yeah? That's, that was, that's, that's what we're portraying. That's not a good thing. <laughs> like for, clarity, for clarity's sake there, that's not a good thing. That's not a good quality, right? Good. What is gained by having a willingness to let our stuff go? Hey, say again. Life, okay. Acceptance. You have a lawnmower. My lawnmower is broken. I don't want to lend you my lawnmower because you might break it. Right? It's that kind of stuff. It's like their willingness to say, ah, this isn't my stuff anyway. Here, take my stupid lawnmower. No, no. Take my lawnmower. It's what God gave me. Right? And guess what God will do? Give you another lawnmower if you need. Right? Anybody, anybody have uh, collectibles? Like baseball cards or things that Harry Potter stuff? Yeah. Yeah, those are, those are the things. Like, I have Michael Jordan cards that you would never even believe. I keep them hidden so nobody knows that I have that stuff. Yeah. Now we know. <laughs> All right, so the third one is to, to give up liberties or to be inconvenienced. All right, Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is in your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Here it is. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, the concept of my time or me time. Jesus says, as believers, there needs to be a willingness to surrender my time and understand that all time is His time. 
and it's all borrowed, right? That's one of those things that in, in life that you can never get back. It's not like a dollar bill. You spend a dollar, you get a dollar. You spend a minute, you'll never get that minute back. And guess what? They were never your minutes to begin with. Right? So the question is, why is there ever a struggle thinking that our time is more valuable than someone else's? Why is there ever a struggle thinking that our time is more valuable than someone else's? Good, good, I like it. Yeah. Anybody, anybody like your time, my time? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and here's the thing, like the, 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 the principle of Sabbath is something that is real. We should take time to rest. But the purpose behind Sabbath isn't for necessarily just my restoration. It's for me to praise Him for what He's done for me. Right? The focus, of when, when, we, when we go to Israel, you'll see it. Uh, come Sabbath, come Friday, everybody is, is, is praising God. It's a, it's a celebration for who He is. They're not all propped up on a, on a hammock somewhere with, you know, sitting at the beach. There is, we need time to refresh. We do need that. But it's not your time. Right? Any minute that you have should be a thanks should be a thanksgiving to what he's given you. So what happens when we get rid of the idea, right? This is this was hard for me. Like I, I rewrote this question a few times. But what happens when we get rid of the idea that we ever sacrifice time? Yeah, I like it. You went way back in time there, buddy. I like it. <laughs> nice. So it's this, it's this idea principally that we need to move from the idea of sacrifice. You can't sacrifice time. It was never yours to begin with, right? It's the, it's the idea that we, have a, that we have an opportunity as believers to invest our time. How, what does God invest most of His time? He's in time with God, but we have to bring it down to something we can understand, right? How does what or what does God invest most of His time in? Us people, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The investment is in us. So, what do we? What what should we do in in reciprocation? Invest our time in the people, right? Inviting our neighbors to meet and follow. Jesus, the last one. Someone asks for financial help. Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, 
Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, our love and trust of money. It's the same with the stuff. Jesus is saying that the, the, the money He has given us should be held closed-fisted and no, to be held with open hands, right? Our resources come from the Lord. So what is it? If we, if we think about it, what is the world view of money? Spend it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes, get as much as you can. Yes. Save it. Build up those you know, IRAs. Build up those bank accounts. Make sure that your pockets are filled with fat cash. Yeah, right. It's just, that's the world stuff. But what happens when the people see believers handling money with a biblical worldview? Yeah? Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. When when someone when you're in that situation, you go, look, God has given me everything that I have. He's blessed me more than I actually need. Here, let me help with this fill in the blank. It doesn't always have to be cash. It could be a meal. It can be you know whatever. Man, that 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 sh- that helps shape their mind to how good and how gracious and loving. Uh, and how how like God wants to bestow blessing upon blessing upon blessing. All right, I want to I want to conclude with this. I, it was something written by Ken, a guy named Kent Hughes, and I just thought it was pretty impactful when it comes to this uh, when when it comes to this passage. It says Jesus changed Jesus changes our lives. We no longer considered our duty to get even, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It's fine for the court, but not for our relation to others, even our enemies. Thanks to Jesus, we have let go of our legalistic obsession with fairness. We are glad that Jesus was not fair with us, for if we were to have gotten what was coming to us, it would have not been good. As Jesus' followers, we give ourselves to the highest welfare of others, even our enemies. We put up with the sins and insults of others for Christ's sake and theirs. Though hurt many times before, we refuse to withdraw into the shell of self. We do not run from hurt. We may appear weak, but we are strong. For only the most powerful can live a life like this. But the power is not ours, but Christ's. Everything comes from Christ. When we get to that point where we have that understanding, we get this clarity, right? That our that the way that we interact with people is so much more important <laughs> for the gospel. 
when you go back to that, I did not come, when Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He had a plan ever since the beginning. Think back. Way back when in the garden. Even then, He had a plan. Guess what? Your salvation was always a part of His plan. Is that, is that not mind-blowing? When He spoke life into existence, David, you were on His mind. I know you're special. But I would never think that special, right? When I look at my who I am, because we can usually be most hard on ourselves, I'm not worth it. But He said that you were. He said that I was. Praise God, right? Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank You so much for the power of Your words that were spoken on the side of a mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Lord, thank You for the preservation of Your Word for us to be able to to read it, to, to study it, to really ponder upon what You're saying here. Lord, You are special. Lord, thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You that You always had a plan. Lord, in areas of our life that we need conviction, Lord, I pray that You convict us mightily. There's a lot at stake. As we interact with our neighbors, Lord, I pray that it is pleasing to You. Lord, give us a voice to be that person that invites our neighbors to meet and follow You. It is You that we love and we praise this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.